Studio DNA Network presents Sports Yak. Two guys talking sports and stuff like that. And stuff. And other stuff. And now here are your hosts, Corey Mann and Chuck Freebie. Take it away, you dopes. My wife says to me, she says, are we watching more sports this weekend because now you think that you have a sports <laughs> podcast that you should be watching more? Uh, thank you for 120-plus downloads, listens, etc., etc. in the first week after three episodes. Thanks. What do you think about that, Charles Freebie? Well, I have no idea what to think. I don't know that much about podcasts and things like that and the numbers, but... I think that's a nice starting point, 124. Nice starting point. Um, this is your first diving Foray. into the podcast pool, if you will. Your thoughts after the first week? Well, I'm pleased with the response. I'm pleased that people feel like they can send us a, a note at 46 Sports to let us know that they're listening and what they like, what they don't like. So far, nobody's told us what they don't like. They've just mentioned a couple of things that they hear and agree with. Give it time. Oh, yes. <laughs> Believe me, if I know one thing about the Internet, people are not shy about expressing what they don't like. Let's hit the rewind button. Friday Night Football, if you were to give your telecast a grade, what grade would it be? I would say it would be a B. We had some technical problems early on that need to be better. Uh, the game itself was a terrific game between Elkhart Central and South Bend St. Joe, and St. Joe wins at 29-27. And an outstanding football game with some extraordinary plays in it. So I highly recommend you go to our 46 Sports Facebook page and go back and give it a look. But when you give it a look, realize we are working on some of the technical aspects how many, uh, did you take a look at the numbers? Uh, yeah, we had about 1,600 online views and mm -hmm. probably about 3,000 eyes reached, something like that. I love the power of technology. I told you this earlier this morning. Friday night, we watched it on our big screen. We have Apple TV, so you can throw what you have on your phone up to the TV and watch there. Saturday, I was with a couple of uh, other different couples during Notre Dame football, and they were talking about, man, could you believe that play at the end of the Elkhart Central St. Joe game. I went right to my Facebook and dialed it back a little bit and saw what they were talking about. Did it feel controversial? Did it feel controversial? Because it sounded as if, from their perspective, it was right at the end of the game. I assume they're talking about a pass interference that wasn't called yes. against St. Joe on Elkhart Central's next-to-last possession uh, that would have kept a St. Elkhart Central drive alive. Yes, it felt controversial to me. Chandler. Fires a bullet. It is complete. Pearson with the catch. We've got a flag on the play. There is a flag on the play, so hold everything. Check the way the flag came out. I don't know if it was... Uh... St. Joe celebrating as though there might be an ineligible receiver downfield. They may have covered up somebody with the slot receiver. Well, um, our color analyst, Bob Nagel, certainly called it out right away. Said he felt there was pass interference on the play. Looked to us on the replay as though the defensive back made contact with the receiver before the ball arrived. Got to remember, in high school, there's different rules. So you can face guard in high school. The fact that the defensive back had his back to the quarterback and had his hands up in front of the receiver's face, that's perfectly legal in high school. Okay. How many different rules are there, do you think, that are oh, different? Numerous. Yeah. 
Well, here's another one. There is no pocket in high school. Remember in the college or pro game you hear, well, if the quarterback gets outside the tackles, if he rolls outside, then he can just throw the ball away, whether there's a receiver there or not. You can't do that in high school. There has to be a receiver in the area of where the ball is thrown. Okay. Let's see here. What else? What else? Nostalgia at all? Going back to Rice Field? That's where you graduated from? Always love going back to Rice Field and, and calling a game there. And, yeah, it does make me think of when, oh, nearly 40 years ago now, I would call my first game on the PA there at Rice Field. For you football. know what it was? I think it might have been a Central Memorial game. I think that might have been the first game of the year. Uh, did I see a picture you tweeted out? Is there grass in the press box? There is field turf in the press box. What they did was they cut out an area of the field turf when they installed it so that they could put in the logo, which is a colored piece oh, of field turf. Okay. So they cut out the green field turf there, and they actually put that up on the second floor of the press box is kind of the surface. Uh, up in Michigan, my alma mater, Lakeshore, gets an overtime win against St. Joe. Yeah, it's a nice win for the Lancers. That's always a great game up there. They call it the War on the Shore, and uh, Lakeshore with a, a victory in that one. The team that still looks very impressive up in Michigan is Edwardsburg. They have outscored opponents this year something like 224-7, to <laughs> just an ungodly number. Uh, and so... They play that way the last couple of years, right? Did I, did I hear that in a conversation? And then, but when it comes time to, we get down into playoffs and championships. It's a little bit of a struggle. No, it hasn't been that much of a struggle for them. I believe they were the state runner-up last okay. year. No, Edwardsburg has had some terrific success. Now they'll have one other game during the regular season against Three Rivers, another Wolverine Conference foe that will give them some trouble. Okay. Let's make our way to Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Notre Dame football. I give you the three W's, Chuck Freebie. What did you like? What needs work? And what's next? What I liked and what I've continued to like throughout this season for the Irish has been the back end of the secondary. I thought Julian Love played a magnificent game at cornerback. Troy Pride Jr. came up with a big interception, made a bad decision to run it out of the end zone, which eventually cost the Irish some points. The safeties, Alohi Gilman comes up with a big strip down by the end zone fairly early in the game to keep Vanderbilt off the scoreboard. I think the, the back end of the Notre Dame defense is playing as well as I've seen it play in a long, long time. What needs work is the offense. The offense had no flow to it whatsoever. I couldn't really figure out Chip Long's play calling. I can't really figure out what they're doing with the quarterbacks. They had a sequence down in the red zone where they brought in Ian Book for a play, which he'd been he's kind of been the red zone quarterback, the guy inside the ten yard line that they use. Then they took him out, put in Brandon Wimbush for a quarterback sneak on a fourth and one. Then they took Wimbush out and they put Book back in, and it, it, there's a lot of decisions that just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Brian Kelly tried to talk about it in his press conference that he had yesterday when he was asked about it, but Again, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of flow to the Irish offense right now, and, and quite a lot of that is because of the quarterback position. Brandon Wimbush has not been particularly accurate in his throwing in any of the three Irish games yet this year. What goes on in that kid's head, and you, you literally just you, you played it all out for us, 
you're doing all these things right, young man, but when it comes time to you being this part on the field, we got to pull you out. Well, and here's what makes even less sense, Corey, is the fact that last year Brandon Wimbush was particularly effective in the red zone, and you would think that a quarterback with his ability to run the football well would be effective in the red zone because he gives you that run-pass option that you can run down by the goal line. But they take him out and they put Ian Book in. Now, Ian Book has been very effective in his role, and he was again on Saturday through a touchdown pass to Nick Wisher. But it still begs the question, why is this move happening? Because it doesn't seem to play to the strengths of Brandon Wimbush. And when Wimbush was asked about it in the postgame press conference Saturday, he said the right things. Oh, we buy in, and it's all about the team, it's all about the W. His body language, watching that press conference from my seat, said, no, I don't really buy him, but I'm saying the right things. I'm being a good teammate. Player of the game goes to? Player of the game might be Tony Jones Jr. He ran for 118 yards and a couple of touchdowns in that game. Uh, Running back, that was kind of his breakout game. He had been playing second fiddle behind Jafar Armstrong and then Jones got the bulk of the carries on Saturday from the Irish backfield. That would be my offensive player of the game. My defensive player of the game, I know uh, online they do a little poll, and they gave it to Troy Pride Jr., but I would give it to Julian Love. He had at least four pass breakups. In fact, he is second in the nation in breaking up passes. He's got eight this season already. And he's second on Notre Dame's all-time career list behind Clarence Ellis, who played back in the early 70s for the Irish. Uh, what's next, Chuck? They will play Wake Forest on the road Saturday at noon. The Demon Deacons 2-1 and one after a 41-34 loss to Boston College last Thursday. Wake Forest has tremendous problems in their defensive secondary. Boston College threw the ball all over the lot. Now, here, here's a thought for you. 41-34 game. So Boston College scored seven touchdowns in this game. They were never in the red zone. They scored all of their touchdowns on plays of 20 yards or more against Wake Forest, which shows that the Deacons are susceptible to the big play, and I would imagine the Irish might try to air it out a little bit. I know you watch the game much differently through a viewpoint than I do, but did you feel bored at all on Saturday? That first half, did... I I think they've been rather lackluster and uninspiring throughout the middle two quarters of every game. And in fact, Notre Dame has once again been outscored in the fourth quarter. They've been outscored in the fourth quarter in all three games so far this year. So they get a big lead, and then they let the other team back into it. And this is one of the questions I have about this team. Where's that killer instinct? You tell me you want to dominate, Please show me you want to dominate an opponent because I've yet to see it this year. What did you think about Vandy? Vandy's an, an okay team, but, you know, put them in the Southeastern Conference with teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn. All four of those are easily head and shoulders above the Commodores. Hmm, Justin Yoon, let's talk about him for a second. Well, he became Notre Dame's third all-time leading scorer during that game. Uh, Very successful kicker from Nashville. He did miss a key field goal late that would have given the Irish a two-score lead. 
Been a little inconsistent this year, but overall for his career, very solid place kicker for the Irish. I thought I had him down as number two. I'm sorry, Chuck. Who's ahead of him? Uh, He might be number two now. Maybe he did pass uh, Kyle Brinza on Saturday. The guy that is Notre Dame's all-time leading scorer is Alan Pinkett, running back. Uh, He was able, of course, to score touchdowns, so picking up six points at a time as opposed to Yoon, who's picking up up three and one. My favorite college football play has to go to North Texas. Yes. A little spinner on that. That's a smart play to catch that out of the 10-yard line there by Keegan Brewer. So North Texas has come into Fayetteville and showed well, no He's never made a fair oh, catch. he did make a fair catch signal. He's gone. Brewer down the sideline. This is going to be a touchdown. He caught that in the 10. Nobody thought he was going to do it, and he took off. Yeah, I, I was thinking to myself, I didn't see a fair catch sign, but he kind of stopped. Everybody else stopped. We all did. And I there did. was no whistle blown, and away you go. I quickly admit, I stopped. North Texas, in case you missed it, was taking on Arkansas on Saturday. I wouldn't even call it a fake fair catch because you can't fake a fair catch signal. You can't give a fair catch and then all of a sudden take off. But the players stood there in an area right around the 10-yard line where you would normally expect somebody to make a fair catch. Mm -hmm. He caught the ball, didn't move. Just caught the ball, didn't do anything with his hands. Right. Okay. So Didn't do anything with his hands previous to the ball. Correct. Okay. The defender incorrectly assumed that he was making a fair catch. So the defender, instead of coming down tackling him, stops about two or three yards in front of him. There's that awkward pause for a couple of seconds, and then the defense starts walking off the field, and the young man takes off running towards the end zone and runs 90 yards on a punt return touchdown, and North Texas goes into Fayetteville and hammers a team from the SEC 44-17. to There is trouble in Arkansas, my friend. Could the, could the Arkansas player have touched him? Or the Ar- would he have had to have tackled him? The Arkansas player could have laid him out if he wanted to. Yeah. But could he, in that moment of hesitation, go, I better just touch him? Touch him. That this, this isn't touch football. You, you have to tackle him, him. Okay. Wow. That one got despite what, bit. Despite the new rules in the NFL, this is not touch football. Um, before the game on Channel 16 here locally is countdown to kickoff, grade uh, that show. Oh, I thought that was an A show. A show? I thought that might be the best one we've done so far. And I thought the pregame show that we did before the Michigan game was good. But I thought this was the first show where my co-host, Alex Wilcox, and you have to remember, this is a young man. This is the first time he's hosted a show like this. So this is only the third show that he did. But I think he finally felt comfortable in the role and was able to do some give and take with me, which probably wasn't capable of the, the first two shows. Yeah. I, I, A, commend you on taking that guy under your wing. I love that you're building into him, and uh, it, it was a good show. You said so, you snuck something in because I know you're the timekeeper. You snuck this in, and I wanted to talk to you about it on this specific program. I wouldn't have a poll until October. Exactly. Tell me more about that. I don't think you should rank college football teams until you see a body of work. When we make a preseason college football poll, what are we basing that poll on? 
Are we basing it on what we saw from teams last year and who's coming back and how? How can you possibly rank the college football teams based on what you saw from last year? You have no idea what the kind of impact freshmen will make. You don't know how a player is going to develop in the offseason. So now we go in with these preconceived notions and teams get the benefit of the doubt based on name. It's tough for a team to move up. Here's, here's Wisconsin getting knocked off by BYU on Saturday in Camp Randall. And BYU sneaks into the top 25 this week. Well, maybe BYU is a top 10 team. We don't know. Let's get four weeks of a body of work so that you can see some things about college football teams before you start ranking them. Now, the nice thing is these days, the Associated Press poll, the coaches poll, they're meaningless. It's really up to the college football playoff committee to rank teams, and they don't start doing that until about the midway point of the season. Four weeks, that's what you'd give them. I'd give at least four weeks, maybe five. I wouldn't have a poll until October. Okay. So Notre Dame will play five games before October. But what's the sense of having a poll and ranking teams that you haven't seen play? Do you know what they are basing that on? What are the parameters? Last year? Well, I don't have a vote, so I couldn't tell you what parameters they're You don't have a vote after all these years? No. Listen to you. Uh, Let's switch to the NFL. Colts yesterday. Got a big win in Washington, 21-9. It was a different kind of win for Indianapolis because the defense dominated in this game. They've got a rookie linebacker by the name of Darius Leonard who played a magnificent game. He had 18 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble. Andrew Luck, I thought, was fairly pedestrian in his game. He threw a couple of interceptions. He did have a very good touchdown drive at the beginning of the fourth quarter that kind of broke the game open for Indianapolis. Obviously, he's still shaking off some rust after not having played at all in 2017. The Colts' offense, it was very meh. It will get better. And Washington's a a difficult team to figure out. I don't think they're really that good. So that's a it's a game the Colts need to win on the road, and they did. But that's not really a true test for this team. I feel like it's harder to be a Lions fan than it is to be a Bears fan. Well, because right now they're not very good, and they showed it again yesterday, losing to San Francisco 30-27. to Matthew Stafford had a pretty good game, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was stripped of the ball for a fumble that set up the 49ers' second touchdown. But the 49ers defense, or excuse me, the Lions defense, once again, puts up very little resistance. And then when they had a chance to make a big play late in the game, they're down by three. They get an interception against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, and it's called back because of a defensive holding call completely on the other side of the field from where the interception (laughs) took place. If that's not vintage Detroit Lions... I don't know what is. And so now they're 0-2, and it's really tough for a team that starts out 0-2 to make the NFL playoffs. Uh, Packers and Vikings tie yesterday? Yeah. Where um, do you land on ties? I don't have a problem with it, but remember, I'm old enough to have grown up in an era before they put in the overtime rule when there were lots of ties in the NFL. When you 
sometimes played for the tie because at least a tie counted as half a win in the standings okay. as opposed to a loss. I also understand that we live in America and we live in a country that wants, a re- you know, if you're going to sit there and watch a game for three, three and a half hours, you want a result. You want a winner and a loser. Um, but to me, you've played a 15-minute overtime. That's enough if you couldn't come up with points during that time. And the funny thing is so many of these teams would come up with more points. Apparently good kickers are hard to find. Because the Vikings had a chance to win that game a couple of times and missed field goals. And the Browns had a chance to tie a game yesterday, send it to overtime again, missed a field goal. What's confusing to me is the Cowboys released their kicker right before the season started, who was their all-time leading scorer in franchise history. He's still out there, and no team has picked him up yet. I don't get it. Tell me about the halftime quitter. Halftime quitter is Vontae Davis, a former Colts cornerback, so a lot of our listeners may be familiar with him, but he was playing for Buffalo, and apparently at halftime he decided that was it, took off his uniform, got into street clothes, and announced his retirement from the National Football League. He said he felt like he was no longer physically able to play up to his standard, and If you're not physically ready to go in the NFL, you can really get yourself hurt. Yeah. And I think Vontae Davis might have had a a moment of realization in that first half. Oh, I'm not I'm not up to par. I can't compete out here. Now, the sad part about that is you're on the roster and you got fifty two other guys counting on you to be able to play and you didn't go out there. You basically let the whole team down. The other thing is, what happens to that $2 million of guaranteed money that was in Vontae Davis's contract from the Buffalo Bills? Does any of that go back? I tend to doubt that. Who did I read because they're holding out still has lost $1.7 million in a paycheck because he... Le'Veon Bell from yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and Le'Veon Bell's teammates wondering, okay... Are, are you really a teammate? Are you really part of this? Because here we are knocking ourselves out for the last two weeks as the season starts and you're still sitting at home. Are you constantly amazed by, and you just talked about uh, this player quitting at halftime, are you just amazed by watching a full game on Friday night, then Saturday's play, and then Sunday, just the level of play it goes from a high school game to the NFL? Well, yes, Yes, because the the speed of the game, the size of the people. I showed you a picture this morning of Quentin Nelson, the former Notre Dame guard who plays for the Indianapolis Colts, and he's standing next to another NFL player and just looks gargantuan yeah. next to him. And Joe Wright's the former Indianapolis Colts tackle. I was talking with him last week in an event down in Indianapolis. He says, I've never seen anybody with a back as wide as Quentin Nelson's. He ought to have a last name with a lot more letters because he could handle it. How tall is he? Quentin, I think, is 6'4". My goodness. Yeah. Uh, Let's wrap up this NFL chat with Bears and Seahawks tonight. Bears and Seahawks tonight. This is a must game for the Chicago Bears if they're going to think of themselves as a playoff team this year. They had the Packers on the ropes up in Green Bay. Look good. 
you're playing at home. It's the Soldier Field debut of Matt Nagy as the Bears head coach. There's still a lot of enthusiasm in Chicago. It's the Soldier Field debut of Khalil Mack, their defensive sack master, as we have dubbed him already, taking on a pretty good Seattle team that I think could be a big surprise in the NFC West. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, I know our friend Jimmy Shorts is going to offer a prediction later in the show. If I were to offer a prediction, uh, I think Bears by three. I think if it'll you want to go game. to the game tonight, I love this Game Time app. Two tickets uh, up in the three hundreds uh, section, one thirty-two each. Your most expensive ticket. Let's see here. Eight hundred and one. What's the most you've ever paid to go to a sporting event? The most I've ever paid. That's a great question. Maybe a hundred. My rule is for concerts and for sports, a hundred bucks is my breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, could I pay more? Yes. Oh sure. I mean, I man really, of your ill could pay a lot. Oh, you know, my side hustle. Did I tell you I'm an Uber driver now? No, I am officially an Uber driver. Well, I knew you were thinking about that. Yeah, I'm. I'm in. The routing numbers have taken place. Do you play the podcast? Is that mandatory listening for people and when they get in your Uber? Yeah, and then they rate it right there, and they say, okay. hey, rate it on the actual app. It'd be helpful. Uh, the most I've ever paid for a concert ticket, though, was like 150 But, yeah, about 100 bucks for a sporting event. How about you? Well, I get to go to so many sporting events for free. Um, I think the most I've plunked down... For Cubs tickets is maybe sixty or so. Yeah, I I get to go to enough events where I'm just not going to lay Dish down any money. huge money to do it. We met some new friends over the summer, and they have access to tickets. And they've called a couple times and said, "Hey, we got this. We've got these tickets to this Notre Dame for this much." I haven't paid for a Notre Dame game as a fan uh, over twenty years. And I just I can't, you know, we live in South Bend. We have access to that. Right. Whether you're doing what you do or I just being a fan, one way or another, because of who we know, you can get into the game. But um <laughs> just hey, I got this much for this much. It's like, yeah, I'll watch it at home. Now who's the biggest celebrity that you've run into at a Notre Dame game? Oh boy. I used to carry a book around to get their autographs. Mm-hmm. Uh as far as players go. The most dynamic autograph in that player uh, book, and I'll bring it in, Rocket Ishmael had okay. quite the autograph. Sure. Quite the uh, dazzle with the Sharpie pen. Um, man, that's a great question, Chuck. Paul Horning, uh, Alan Pinkett. Um, I haven't seen him in a long time. What the quarterback I'm thinking of? of the Joe champ- Montana? No. Never really went into the NFL. He lost a shoe during a game. Tony Rice? Tony Rice. I haven't seen him around in a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen Tony either. I thought well, maybe he was here for the 1988 National Championship team. They honored them during the Michigan game, but there were a lot of bodies on the sidelines for that game. Yeah, I, I can't think of like a major, like a supersized celebrity. You've got somebody in mind yourself. I feel Will like. Ferrell. Oh, I've met Will Ferrell as well. Yeah, he was for, here for a Notre Dame USC game. That's right. I remember saying, "Welcome to South Bend." As he walked by, my wife escorted him from a Joy John 
to the uh, tailgate party. And as he walked by, I said, welcome to South Bend. He said, glad to be here. And I said, I loved Elf. That's all I could get out. And he said, okay, thanks for playing. Thank you. And yeah. he just kept walking. He kept walking. Um, well, that's good you went with a monosyllabic movie. You know, I love Elf. You can say that a lot quicker than, yeah. I loved you and Step Brothers. Well, that take you know, too many syllables. <laughs> Let's segue to a question I asked on the uh, internet machine over the weekend. We did this on our morning show. Every episode ever, Blue Bloods surprised me this morning. And I'm not sure that I have actually seen that, but I that is a favorite show for the lovely and talented Diane Freeby and myself. That's a show you guys watch together. Yes. Oh. Absolutely. Tell me more about those shows. What do you guys love to watch together? Well, the, the thing we like about Blue Bloods in effect, it's a little bit like Seinfeld in the fact that there's multiple plot lines going on. Okay. So you don't have to just be hammocked into one character and what's going on with them. Ensemble cast? It's an ensemble cast. It's, okay. a, it's a show about a family, an Irish Catholic family in New York where everybody is part of the police. All the men are part of the police force. So the grandpa was the former police commissioner. Tom Selleck is the current police commissioner. He's the dad of these sons who are also on the police force. Okay. So, hence the term blue bloods. They're all part of the long blue line of New York. Then there's a daughter who is a district attorney, so she's also involved in the system. And uh, another thing I like about this show is First of all, they don't shy away from the the Catholic part of it, the fact that it's a religious family and they take their religion seriously and and how does that factor into their everyday life? Where are they police at? New York City. Oh, New York City. New York oh boy. City. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing is there is always at least one scene in every episode where they're having family dinner around the table. And I think that's great that that is conveyed to people. Here is a family having dinner around the table, having conversation, talking about now sometimes they're talking about work, sometimes they're talking about other things, but there's always one scene in a Blue Bloods episode where they're sitting around the table having dinner. How often do you get to do that at your house these days? Um, not as often as we used to, but like we had family dinner around the table last night, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, that's that's almost sacrosanct. Is that there will be family dinner on Sunday? Is that f- is there four, five? There's five. There's five right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, previous to Blue Bloods, what was the show you and Diane loved? Uh, Seinfeld is one oh, that yeah. we would sit and watch. So uh, Debbie and I, our current together show is Ozark. Okay. Jason I just saw- Bateman. I just saw a promo for that. Laura Linney, and I'll describe it to you best as it's Breaking Bad in Missouri. Okay. The hole for this guy just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Is that a Netflix? Is it an HBO? It is Netflix, okay. yeah. The Flickers yeah. of Net. Okay. <laughs> what's it called again? The Flickers of Net. The Flickers yeah. of Net. All right, what's your week look like, my man? Well, of course, the Brian Kelly press conference on Tuesday where he'll talk more about the game with Wake Forest coming up this weekend. You asked the last two questions last week. Are you already thinking about what you'd like to ask because you've heard Saturday night's press conference, you've heard about Sunday, 
Now Tuesday, do you know what you'd like to... I usually react to what's being asked within the press conference and try to get follow-up because lots of times, quite frankly, he'll give an answer and I just feel like it needs clarification. Okay. Or it spurs me to think about something else that I would ask. So I rarely go into those. There's a couple of guys that typically get to ask the first questions, and they deserve it. They're there every single day following practice and things like that. Who's that? uh, Eric Hansen from the South Bend Tribune and then Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated. And they're usually the first two sets of questions, so I defer to them. Okay. And then you're listening, and then whatever you go, "Uh, that could use a little bit more. Or sometimes I'll just not chime in. If I if I don't have anything, I'm not going to say something just to hear myself talk because I have this. <laughs> All right, so press conference on Tuesday. What else you got? We'll go to a couple practices. We have number two Northwood playing Northridge this weekend on the game of the week. Panthers of Northwood are 5-0, and oh, and uh, they've got a terrific player named Bronson Yoder who's headed to William and Mary College to play his college football. He kind of leads that team both offensively and defensively. Questions about Northridge this week. Their quarterback got hurt Friday night. Julius Graber had to leave the game with an injury. They were up 14-0, wound up losing 37-14. So we'll have to see what happens. Yes, Yoder and Graber, two of the great names around Elkhart County. That probably takes up about a third of the populace of Elkhart County, along with Miller, Bontrager, and Hostetler. Where are you at? Where are you actually at physically? We're at Jim Andrews Field in Napanee on oh, Napanee. Friday night. All right. Uh, let's see here. What do we want to wrap up with? I feel like we have exhausted everything. You got anything over on your plate you'd like to tackle? Or well, you good? again, I always seem to throw in stuff about the Cubs. The pennant race continues. Only two weeks left in the regular season. Chicago, two and a half games ahead of Milwaukee in the National League Central. Cubs had a pretty good weekend. They went to Washington, won a makeup game, then took two out of three from the Reds. Meanwhile, the Brewers were home and lost two out of three to the Pirates. Now the Brewers get to play the Reds at home, and the Cubs have to go on the road and take on an Arizona squad that has been kind of crumbling here as the season goes along, but Man, this has been a long stretch for the Cubs. They will wind up going 30 consecutive days without an off day. And a lot of travel involved in that. And you just wonder how they'll be able to hold up over these last two weeks of the season. Yeah, things look good. They've got this two-and-a-half game lead. But do they hit a wall in these last two weeks? And does Milwaukee come charging up from behind? Certainly Cub fans Hope that's not the case. Kyle Hendricks gets the start tonight against Patrick Corbin down at Chase Field in Phoenix. Are you there this week? I No, next Monday night is when I get to go to Wrigley. All right, and I'm there the following Friday. Against the Cardinals, and which could be a huge series for both those teams. Cardinals have uh, had a big win last night over the Dodgers to resume the wild card lead in the National League. Friday, we left the episode wondering if I would get Garth Brooks tickets. The answer is yes. After a painstakingly long 36 minutes in the waiting room, (laughs) which they used. Oh, what time is it, by the way? Oh, Paul McCartney tickets go on sale in six minutes for Fort Wayne. Well, we'll need to wrap this up real quick. Uh, Yes, I did get Garth Brooks tickets for uh, October the 20th. Uh, I'm curious to see if they charge for parking. 
I think with that many oh, people, Notre Dame Stadium. I bet you there's going to be a. I, I'd love to know that before I show up that night, because you. I mean, sky's the limit. It could be many different sure. things. So there's that. All right, we feel good about everything, Chuck. About episode four. Hopefully, we feel like we've given the listener a quality episode again. I feel so as well. Hey, uh, sports fans, it's me, Jimmy Shorts. You caught me. I was giving myself a spray tan. Hey, welcome to week two of the NFL. The Chicago Bears are going to play Monday night, and they're taking on Seattle at Soldier Field. Lots of folks are picking Seattle to come into Chicago and win. Forget that. The Bears, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. It's Monday night. Bears head coach Nagel, he's a rabid dog who wants to win. The Bear players want to win. The city wants to win. But I believe in the ghost of George Hallis will motivate the Chicago Bears to come up with an unpredicted win. Therefore, the Bears will win by three points on Monday night. I'm Jim Shorts. Follow Chuck at 46sports on Facebook at 46sports. That'll W-H-E-N-E come up, right? 46sports, yes. Uh, on Twitter myself, my name is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y. And uh, we'll pop in a couple of times this week and see what else we have. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening. We appreciate that 120-plus downloads from last week. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Sports Yak. You've been listening to Sports Yak. Proving anybody can have a podcast. Sports Yak on the Studio DNA Network. This is Jimmy Schultz. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.